If you're here for the very first time, we welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in the Second Peter, uh, and if you open up your Bibles and grab a Bible in front, or if you forgot yours, just shift over and say to share. We're gonna, and it's only gonna be three verses today. Um, I know that's going to be shocking for some of you, but you'll find out quickly that three verses. I'm hoping to get through in the next two hours. So we're, but I'm going to keep it short because we got food. I, I was smelling the the chili and the the cornbread and the, I mean, I was just like, let's let's make sure we get this done in two hours, right? Hey, Second Peter, chapter two, verses one through three. Follow along with me, please. But there were also false prophets among the people even as there were, will be false teachers among you, you will secretly bring, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their dis- destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. But co- by covetousness, They will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. Father, as we open up your word, we know apart from your Holy Spirit, we will not be able to hear and to receive and to apply. So we ask your Holy Spirit to move in a mighty way in the hearts of your people, those who are listening here in person, those online, in the days to come. Use your word to mold us, shape us, change us, to draw closer to you, and depending upon you, the rest of the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We have read about, we have heard of, we have even seen with our own eyes, We've experienced personally fake, false, counterfeit, imitators in the world and even in the religious life that we live. We know there is fake news, counterfeit art, false publishing, fake love, imitators, even false prophets as we see in the scripture today and false teachers. But counterfeits are nothing new. Satan is the poster child of the great imitator we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. And we see, and he started when by deceiving Eve in the garden, Genesis chapter 3, and also noted in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. The Satan didn't didn't last, it didn't wait until the first two that was created for him to come in and become an imitator and to deceive Eve and Adam. And Satan has a team of false Christians. We see that noted in Matthew 13, 38 and John 8, 44, who are around spreading a false gospel, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 9. 
and even a false righteousness that everyone thinks it's right, but it's not godly. We see that noted in Romans 9, 30 through chapter 10, verse 4. And one day Satan will present to the world a false Christ. His name is the Antichrist. We see that noted in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It is obvious as we study 2 Peter chapter 2 that the world was already creeping into the church, the early church, diluting its message for the next 1,200 years until the Reformation, which is the 16th century, broke forth in a scene that we'd never seen before. We've studied that in historically. But it started even in, uh, during, before the time of the Constantine era, which is the 4th century. Things were already changing. People were diluting the truth of God. The word of God already changing and molding and shaping it to whatever fits their agenda, fits their lifestyle, fits their purpose. The nation of Israel was constantly being led astray by false prophets. Ask Elijah had to contend with the prophets of Baal. And they always were out there, prophets of Baal, always promoting pagan religions. And Elijah would have to fight against that, that that is not of God. Even the Jewish false prophets did the most damage. They would claim to speak for Jehovah God and promote pseudo-prophets for the people to get excited about and follow that kept both Jeremiah and Ezekiel both very busy exposing the counterfeit ministries that were popping up everywhere. Why would the people get hooked? Why would they get pulled away from the simple truth of God and who he is? Why would anyone get hooked to say that you cannot, Jesus is not enough? That Jesus is not the only way. There is many ways. All roads lead to heaven. Why would people be deceived by these things when we have the truths of God in front of us in the Bible? Because the religion of the false prophets was easy. It was comfortable. It was popular. It didn't require any changed life. So people will hang and grab a hold of something so that they can think and believe that they're saved and have eternal life. But in actuality, they really didn't want to change at all. They just wanted to continue to live their life of carnality. Live a life that doesn't have to change and follow God and surrender their lives to Him and repent of the sins that they wanted to enjoy in their life. The fact that false prophets were peddling and preaching fake peace, fake peace did not bother the people. We saw that in Jeremiah 6.14. It didn't bother them that there was a fake peace being peddled and preached. Because it was a message they wanted to hear. Why do we see in the people around us with technology, we can see so easily all these false teachers. Why do thousands upon thousands follow them? It's because that's what the people wanted to hear. The prosperity doctrine. They wanted to hear that you could get wealthy and, and healthy and wise and just live and continue to live your life as you wanted to. And people gravitate to it. 
Peter was called to change his profession from a fisherman to the shepherd. When Jesus said to him, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. We see that in John chapter 21, verses 17, 15 through 17. And as a shepherd, Peter understood he had a twofold responsibility as a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? He feeds the sheep. And he warns the sheep. He attends the sheep to keep them safe. And so here we see in the second, uh, second epistle here written by uh, Peter that he has taken his role, respons- his, his, his role as a shepherd responsible, as a pastor, very responsible to feed the flock. And even as Paul instructed to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 verse 28. And secondly, to warn the flock, as Paul instructed in those two verses in chapter 20 of Acts, verse 30. For if a shepherd feeds a flock without warning it, if a shepherd only feeds the flock but does not warn it, he's only fattening it for the kill. So here in chapter 2, as we become, we see the heart of Peter in his last epistle. He knows he's about to die. He knows he's going to be martyred. He knows how he's going to be martyred because Jesus told him so. And we will see him issue a heartfelt word of warning to those he loved. He cared for the people. You cannot minister to people if you do not love the people. Let me say that again. If you're a minister and you're serving in any capacity, you do not love the people, get out of the ministry. You're not to be there. You're part of what Peter is warning the people about. And he's warning them deeply and wanting them to warn them and to alert them about the beware of the fakes that are out there. Beware of the counterfeits that are among you because they're coming in. And so we see here, it starts off in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. It says, but there were also false prophets among the people. They were already there. They were already creeped in. It wasn't something that came later on. It already started. It was already warned that the wolves would come in and try to devour the sheep who were seeking after Jesus. Even as though as there will be, be false teachers among you as well, and you will secretly who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, false truths, deceptions, even denying the Lord who brought them, who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. So even here in verse 21, as we read early last week, even as there were holy men of God who spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, godly men, God was using them in a mighty way to teach and to preserve the word of God to help the people. Yes, they were those people, but yes, also among those people were false prophets and false teachers. To take them away from the truths of God. Away from the scripture. So there were false prophets and false teachers then and still today. Peter stated this as a fact, not a possibility, but a fact. 
And he said they were among you, not only on the outside of the church, they were already creeped into the church. Peter knew that following his exodus, when he dies, he false teachers would move in who would seek to destroy the work of God. How did they get in? They secretly bring in destructive heresies. False teachers work secretly. It isn't that their teaching is secret necessarily, but the deceptive nature of their teaching is hidden. No false teacher walks in with some poster board and says, I'm a false teacher and I'm here to take you away. We've had a few over the years with the little badges that highlighted to them who they were and they came in pairs. And I welcomed them in because I wanted them to hear the word of God because I wanted them to know the word of God and that the Holy Spirit could possibly touch their arms. And then we've had some who've come in who were secretly, and once I smell you that you're a wolf, I guarantee you if your head is still on your body by the time you're out the door, you might have a chance. Because as a shepherd, I will not tolerate false heresy, false teaching, going away from the word of God. I will not tolerate it. That's why people do not like the verse-by-verse teaching. Because if you like what you want to only hear, you will not like staying here very long because there's going to be where by the time we get through the scriptures, you're going to be hear things that will challenge your life. And you can blame me all you want. Then you can blame Calvary Chapel all you want. You can blame whoever you want to, but you have to face up to the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, your life doesn't line up with the word of God and you need to change. It's called conviction and people don't like it. So I've never had to, well, only once, that I had to ask someone to leave. Because the Holy Spirit does the work. You can't handle If you don't want to change, you can't handle the truth. Bring me to a movie, but I won't go down that path. If I could say it, say it the way he said it. <laughs> I might have some emphasis, but you know, you know which movie I'm talking about. It's an oldie. I can't even remember what it's called, but that's okay. I don't need to know. But I keep telling you, and I, I keep encouraging you, know, if that's speaking to your heart today, that you are hearing the things from the Word of God. I'm just, I'm just teaching the Word of God. And as the Holy Spirit touches you, and you're convicted, know that you're alive. And God is doing a work in you. Please repent. Please be willing to change. Don't harden your heart against the word of God. That just leads to your destruction. And I love you way too much to not tell you that truth. Don't go jumping from teacher to teacher and heaping up on multiple teachers just to find out what you want to hear because it makes you feel good. I assure you reading the word of God doesn't always make you feel good. 
But what I can tell you is when the once you're convicted, then the word of God, the spirit of God comes along and encourages you and lifts you up because you have a changed heart, a changed mindset once you hear the truth and you accept his truth. Are you with me? Well, these false teachers, these false prophets had no intention of changing. They had no intention to tell them, I'm a false teacher here trying to sway you around. Because they secretly come in. They keep in mind, not only was their message false, but their methods were false. They'll do it in person. They'll do it one-on-one. They'll try to find a, a platform and create their own little groupie and click to try to get to find like-minded people. After they circle through and try to meet everybody, they get to find like-minded people who are weak in their understanding and pull them in and say, oh, I can help you, I can help you. And all along they're trying to just bring you into a frame of mind and understanding of what they think they believe. That's why they don't do well here, because all of you have been trained, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. So when you, someone brings something up, that you smell it. You're like, that, there's an alarm going, that doesn't, doesn't line up. I mean, what do you, can you want to explain that a little bit? Once they realize they can't get a hold of someone who's weak in here because you're well-fed, and, and people are tending over you and watching you, they don't stay because there's no opportunity for them to prey on you. That's why this is a safe place, a healthy fellowship, because we all love and desire to hear the word of God. Don't give me fluff, Corey. Don't give me stories, Corey. Just give me the word of God so I understand it, so I can apply it to my family and to my life and to, to people around me and to use this to help others and who are dying. Who are dying in their sin. I want to help people. Equip me so I can go help people. To live a life that is pleasing to God. But they use these false teachers, used these false messages, false methods. It could come in through books. It could come through music. It could come through the teaching and one-on-one. It, all kinds of ways they try to get into your mind. They're not openly declaring what they believe. They came into the church under the false impression that they were a true Christian faith. They say they're a Christian. They look like a Christian. They act like a Christian. They got it all. They know what to, to, how to say it, how to respond. Praise you, brother. Praise you, sister. They got the lingo down. But they're not truly a child of God. And they're going to bring destructive heresies in. False teachers bring in destructive heresies that destroy by telling lies about Jesus Christ. What is the number one lie? You don't have to believe the Bible. You don't have to read the Bible. The Bible was written by men that wasn't written by God. All of these heresies that are brought in, you see it, you hear it, even from the pulpits of today. 
Don't read the Old Testament. You only read part of the New Testament. All of these things. And you don't, some people don't even think of a second thought. Oh, that's just them. No, do you understand they're heresies? Jesus is the word of God. And when you think and go against and believe that you don't need to read the word of God and still be a Christian, like, like it's no big deal. You know, it's, it's just, it's not at any value. Don't be deceived. But that's how they do it. The lies about Jesus Christ and his work for us and in us. And it's these heresies that our people are hurt and destroy. Heresies are not harmless. They're very harmful. The word heresy originally meant to make a choice. But then it became a meaning of a sect or a party. Promoting a certain schism or a fraction or a divisional spirit within the church. Is one of the works of the flesh. We see that in Galatians 5.20. The classic Greek word for heresy means schools of philosophy. People come up with all kinds of their own philosophies. Their own interpretations of what the word of God says. Or even worse, they don't even talk about the word of God. They just talk about the philosophies of this world and bring them into the church. We see this warning in 2 Timothy 4, 3. For the time will come when they will, be no, will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. You will find your school of philosophy. Nothing new in the early church. Are you Apollos? Are you a Paul? Are you, you, which teacher do you follow? You're to follow your Savior. My brothers and sisters, you are to follow your Savior. No teacher. And the ones you do listen, I pray that you continue to come, that you understand that the teacher's only teaching you the Word of God and nothing else. The New Testament writers used it to describe religious sects, this word heresy. We see the first sect of Sadducees in Acts chapter 5, verse 17. The other sect of Pharisees, religious leaders of Acts 15, 5, or fractions, or we call it cliques today. That yes, even within a church body, people will look to create a clique. I thank God every day that we do not have cliques within this church body. Because they understand that we are one body. We will all be going to heaven and we'll be worshiping God together. We're not to have fractions, schisms, different philosophies. We're all one-minded and in unity because we're focused on Jesus and on the word of God. And that's why this is a beautiful fellowship and I praise God. I have seen other fellowships. I have watched other fellowships. I have seen my brothers grieving when their fellowships around the country 
are divided and conquered by these false teachers and causing fractions and divisions and splits within a body of Christ. False teachers forces you to make a choice. That's what they do. They create a relationship to make you make a choice between her or his ideas and doctrines and the doctrines of the true Christian faith. And if you don't know the word of God, then you're at, you're, you're at risk, great risk. And when you read the epistle of Jude, you will find him using similar powerful language about false teachers. Even to a point where even these people would even deny the Lord who bought them. He bought them with his own life. And people were starting to believe false teachers and denying Christ who literally died on the cross for them. How could that be? How could you turn on the one who have given his life for you to have eternal life? And to walk away from the following of Jesus. But false teachers deny the Lord who bought them. Because they're fake. They're destructive false teachers. Even a person who has what appears to be a godly walk in a relationship with Jesus can still bring a destructive heresy. Oftentimes, good men who teach lies do the worst damage. Why? Because they're accepted. They're, they, they, people believe those lies because they think this man has a good character. He seems so nice. Yes, but he's peddling poison to you. False teachers are better known for what they deny than what they affirm. They deny the inspiration of the Bible. They deny the sinfulness of man. They deny the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross. They deny the salvation by faith alone. They deny the rapture. They even the reality of eternal judgment. They deny any of that. They especially deny the deity of Jesus Christ. For they know that if they can get into the heads of people that Jesus is not God. And that he did not die for your sins. Then they know. That when his deity is taken away, it will destroy the entire body of Christian truth. That's what happened, how it happens. Bringing on themselves Swiss destruction is the, the, the promise here because false teachers are promised swift destruction even though they aren't judged fast enough in our own opinion. God, how can you allow this man to have such power over thousands and thousands of people every week teaching the heresies? We must understand these false teachers are unsaved. They are compared to dogs and pigs and not sheep in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. They're just dogs. They're swine. Jude 19 describes the same people as having not the Spirit. If a person does not have the Holy Spirit of God within, he is not a child of God, Romans 8, 9. 
He may pretend to be saved. Even become an active participant in the church because he's such a great guy. And he has all these backgrounds. What a great person to have him involved. But eventually he will deny the Lord and walk away and bring people with him. While it is true that Jesus died for the church, Ephesians 5.25, it is also true that he died for the sins of the whole world, 1 John 2.2. 2. Jesus Christ is the merchant who purchased, who bought the whole field. He bought the world that he might acquire the treasure in it, Matthew 13.44. And when it comes to the application, he has made a way for every single person he's created to have a relationship with him and be saved. And he's given us the free will of choice. Do you want to have a relationship with Jesus? Will you be willing to repent? He paid for that sin. It is finished on the cross. Nothing you can do to earn it. But he makes a way and he knocks at the door of every single person's heart. That his death is sufficient for the whole world. He purchased even those who chose to reject him and deny him. But that's what makes their condemnation even greater. Even good and godly Christians may disagree on fine points of doctrine. But they all agree on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God and God the Son. He is the Savior. And to deny this is to condemn your own soul. So how can these false teachers proclaim to say they know God? And be among God's people. Whom the Lord has bought end up in everlasting destruction. There's always several dis discussions or suggestions around this. Let me give you three points. Some will say they, they were saved but lost their salvation, but this is contrary to many scriptures. Go read John 3.16 today, John 5.24, John 10.28 and 29. No, I don't hold to that. The second one is that some believe the word bought means only the fact that the Lord created them. That's all he did. It's just created them. And that he didn't save them. But again, this stretches the word redeem that we see in the Greek word of uh, agorazo, agorazo, agorazo. It's a stretch. You can't, that doesn't line up. Redeemed is redeemed. It, it means purchase. It means bought. 
And then the third point is that they were redeemed in the sense that Christ paid the redemptive price for their salvation, but they did not accept to apply it to themselves. And so they were not saved. Christ's death is sufficient for all. 1 Timothy 2.6, Hebrews 2.9, 1 John 2.2, 2. He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. What does the whole world mean? The whole world. I think it's pretty simple and straightforward. It's not complex. What does John 3.15 say? Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Whoever. Is that just some? Anybody. He opened a way for everybody. And this is the strong argument for the unlimited atonement, the view that Christ died for everyone. And against that limited atonement, the view that Christ died only for those whom he would save later. God made a way for all. He created man and woman. And he made a way for all of us to be saved. Now the ball's in your court. Are you going to receive him? Are you going to answer the door as he knocks at the door of your heart? Are you going to ask him to come in and be your savior? He's willing. He wants that relationship. He, wants, he made a way to restore that relationship. Have you made that decision? Have you chosen to repent and choose Jesus of his payment for your sins? Do you believe he raised on the third day and is alive and wants to have a relationship with you? He loves every single one of you. Now Peter continues in verse 2, and many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. False teachers are very popular people. They have to be popular. They have to be try to get to as many people as possible because it's all about the money. It's all about influence. It's all about position and power. So many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. This reminds us that false teachers may be popular just because something succeeds in attracting a crowd of followers does not mean that it is of God. We know that God's work will always bear fruit. But so does the devil's work can also increase. False teachers are loose with their truth. They're loose with their morals. They attract all people, even sinful people, who do not want to walk away from sin. They want to continue it. They will bring you into the fold because they know they can get you. You can go contrary to the word of God and still be saved. Love, 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 love. 
There's no justice. You won't be facing God to, to, to deal with the sins that you will not, do not want to give up. It's a false heresies that are being promoted everywhere today. And denominations. And non-denominations. Nothing new under the sun. See, the most distressing aspect of the work of false teachers is not that they are among you and I. That, that, that doesn't want distress, distresses us. False teachers always have been and always will be among Christians. But the most distressing fact is that many Christians will follow their destructive ways. That's what distresses me. To hear someone hear the word and hear the word and encourage them and then find out they've walked away and they've joined some, something that is so contrary to the word of God, it's very grieving. Because they got, they got hooked. They have a friend that befriended them. They have a book that was given to them. They watch this person. It's so subtle, my brothers and sisters, and you have to watch out for these things, especially for your children. You've got to be on guard at all times of what comes into those eyes and those ears of yours. And they make it sound so good, and they're so popular. How could, they're selling all these books. How can she not be in line with the Word of God? Let me tell you. That's why we don't, when we have a bookstore, we're not going to have just any books. They've got to be in line with the word of God or they're not coming in. Because it's too subtle. The fact that, that many will follow these evil examples of their conduct is proof that people would rather follow the fake than the truth. The sensual rather than the spiritual. And they're very, these false teachers are very good at attracting and marketing to the masses to their ministry. And they'll tell you about the statistics and what they've done and, and what they're doing and how many people are coming because it draws people to think there must be something really good going on there. They'll attract you with the music and then they just get you and hook you with the word that is heresy. But statistics is not proof of authenticity. Remember the broad way that leads to destruction is very crowded. We see in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 and 14. Our path is narrow. The world is wide. Many will claim to be true servants of Christ but will be rejected on the last day. We see that noted in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. 21 through 23. And because of whom the way of truth will be blasting, false teachers are at work and will through the crowds. They will work this way of blaspheming the God's holy name and honor and are disgraced. Few things hinder the cause of Christ like a, the bad reputation of professing Christians. The Christian faith gets a bad name because of their filthy lives. 
Titus 1.16 says, They profess to know God, but, the, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient and disqualified for every good work. Who do you think the evening news uses to promote Christianity in such a bad way? They'll find anyone who will be completely living a life that goes against the word of God and they put them up as a poster child on the evening news that says, you speak for all the Christians, don't you? That's how the enemy works. False teachers are bad witnesses to the Christian community. They make the Christian community to become laughing matters. In every forum. Verse 3, we see that the strategy of these false teachers, but also Nick note at the very end the destiny of these false teachers. How do they do this? By covetousness. How do they get and hook you and pull you into these heresies and will have you walk away from the truths of God? Through covetousness. That they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. We see that false teachers are interested in one thing. Making money. They will exploit. They will merchandise you. They will commercialize you. They will focus it on ignorant people and use their religion as a cloak of covetousness. We see that in 1 Thessalonians 2.5. They desire not to feed the flock, but to fleece the flock. Have you received that letter yet? I was praying for you. Here's a, here, for $25, I will send you this little bottle of holy water. Knowing that we're praying for you and you'll be prosperous because you'll have this holy water. Just send us $25 to the ministry. Why? Because they, don't, they know, these people know, that that same little bottle, if you go to Jerusalem, is a dollar. And someone just put it in a faucet and filled it up. How many times in California, not over on the East Coast, because I think... The baloney meter will, it goes off on the East Coast. This is a bunch of baloney. On the West Coast, it's, it's nothing but baloney. So what happens, you get these letters and it'll be this, these, these handkerchiefs. I have, I have prayed and sweated all over this and I'm here to give it to you. Just give us a donation of minimum of 50 bucks. And people believe it. And they send their money. It's insane. But people are desperate. And when they find ignorant and desperate people searching for answers for the challenges they're having in their life, they will turn to anything and anybody. They don't want to do dogs anymore. They've already tried that and that destroyed them. They, turned, they, they walked away from alcohol because that destroyed them. They turned away from all the other fleshly things that destroyed them. Religion must be the answer. No, religion is not the answer. 
A relationship with Jesus Christ is the answer. But they don't understand these things, and so religious people come in and devour them and tell them, you must follow this person, this teacher. You must do this and do that, and you can do this and do that. And you don't have to change. You just have to do a little of this and a little of that, and somehow a little mixing it up, and we'll just, you know, just keep giving your money. Because of the covetousness. These false teachers use covetousness, not only for their own covetousness, but even the followers' covetousness. Because they want something out of that system. Out of religion. And so when you find covetous people, and you're a covetous false teacher, it's a match made in hell. Because many false teachers both today and in previous times presented a gospel that has a self-gratification at its core. And all this is presented with deceptive words because false teaching never announces itself. Ministerial charlatans or ministerial fakes have been troubling the flock of God from the very beginning. Come to Jesus, you don't have to change. Heresy. Come to Jesus and everything will be perfect. Heresy. Come to Jesus, you'll be wealthy and healthy. All of it's going to be a beautiful life, perfect life. Heresy. You don't have to do anything. Everyone goes to heaven. Well, let me remind you. You're absolutely correct. Everyone will bow their knee to Jesus. Everyone. But not all will stay in the presence of Jesus. But that's not what they're told. How about this one? All your buddies are in hell. It's going to be a party. It's going to be a great time. You'll be right at home. You know, no big deal. Heresy. There is no God. There is no afterlife. There is no heaven or hell. Once you're done with this body, it's done. You're buried. It's, it's, you can do whatever you want to. Live it up. It's, it's nothing after this. Heresy. Oh, you love the climate? Oh, I'm so glad you love the climate. We love the climate. Let's hug a tree together. What do you want to come back as? Is a butterfly? An eagle? Reincarnation. We'll be coming back whatever you want to. Just, just ask. Heresy. We laugh at this now, but this is what is going on in around the people. Worship a cow. Don't get me wrong, I love cows. Salmon loves cows. It's his livelihood, but he doesn't worship them. Just eats them. <laughs> Sorry, Stan. That wasn't in my notes. You noticed that one. I got to stick back to my notes, don't I? 
See, it says their greed, they use others to their own money-making enterprises, their own purposes, to turn the church into a dirty marketplace. Buy this, buy this, get this, do this, all of these things to create money for themselves. If you remind, if you remember, nothing new in the temple. Jesus came in and flipped tables because it was going on. Not once, but twice. At the beginning of his ministry and at the end of the ministry. Our Lord was a poor man. The apostles were a poor men. Yet they gave of themselves to the minister to others. Their devotion was not to make the money and create a lifestyle for themselves. It was to give their lives to minister to people. But these false prophets are rich men who cleverly get others to minister to them, to bow down to them and worship them and put them on idols, up on pedestals or something, something of, of, of value. Yes, certainly the laborer, the pastor is worthy of his hire, we see in Luke 10, 7, but his motives for ministry should never be for the money or for the position and power. It has been said that immorality and the love of money and the pride has been the ruin of many people. And these false teachers were guilty of all three. Peter points out that the false teachers use deceptive words. We see in verse 1, in the word there, the Greek for destructive words, it means uh, we get our word, the Greek word is uh, our, our English word from the Greek word is, is for plastic. So it's this plastic words that are shaped and molded to do whatever he, they need to to be able to get to your mind to have them follow you. It's not real, it's plastic. It's temporary. But we also see in verse 18 of chapter 2 later on, Lord willing, next week, as well as great swelling words. What does that mean? To captivate and to influence their victims, to try to influence them with their words to be able to attract them, to follow them. And it's these flattering sinners that come out in these kind of self-build-up words to you to get you and tickle your ears, to make you build up in this false flattery for you to oh I just I think he loves me I think she loves me I think I, I'm just going to follow them because they scratch the itching ears of the people who reject the truth of the Bible and turn to fables we see that in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 4 See, unfortunately, religion can be a tremendous tool for exploiting weak people. And these false teachers use religion just to get what they can. They're not there to minister. They're not there to give their lives to people. They're merchandisers. They're creating an empire for themselves. And the true minister of Jesus Christ had nothing to hide. A true minister has nothing to hide. His life and ministry are open books. He preaches the truth in love and does not twist the scriptures to support his selfish agendas or agendas or personal gain. Does not flatter the rich. 
cater to the political elite or minister only to make money and position. He gives his life as a bond servant to the peop God's people to feed them and to tend to them and to warn them and to encourage them to continue to follow Jesus. But note here at the very end, a part of the letter here in chapter 2, verse 3, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. Peter assures us that false teachers will be judged. Even though it seems they prosper, even though their judgment is, seems to be just idle and not, nothing's happening, why isn't God taking them out? Why haven't they been caught yet? Why haven't they been exposed to the world to see what they're doing to, to, to sway people away from Jesus? God's wrath is pours out on them even in allowing them to continue. Why? Because they're heaping up more and more condemnation upon themselves and hardness of heart like Pharaoh did for to themselves. And they're going to be judged and judged rightly. Remember, God's justice does not sleep and it's never late. God's ways are perfect. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your grace and your mercy upon our lives. Lord, thank you for your word. We thank you for giving Peter, by your Holy Spirit, the words to teach your people then and to teach us now that we are to examine all things that we hear and watch and see and make sure it is lined up with your scripture that we have a biblical worldview that we will not be deceived by false teachers that have crept in and around in so many ways especially with technology Lord. May we test all things by your word and have that security and surety in our relationship with you. We thank you and praise you for your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Please stand.